0: Well, here we are on a short series titled, anybody remember what it is? Three, no one. Invite to Encounter. And I want to share this with you because I think this is why we're called. This is who we are. This is why we are here. So I think everything's good. I think the sound's on. Everything's okay? All good? Thumbs up? Thank you. And hello to everybody online as well who's listening and those also in the lounge room. uh, Welcome to you as well. Last week, we talked on and looked at this sense of be still, that God is inviting us in the hectic and uh, interesting times that we live in, at any season of our lives, that you and I would find a place to be still. Now, that's not to just do nothing. It, It means to come before Him. It means to stop resisting, stop doing things, and to know how to enter in to God, to come near. And so I want to encourage you that, if you haven't heard that message, to go online and just uh, refocus. To be truthful, this week has been quite busy, just for a number of different things. And it's always like that when you preach on something like Be Still, it's almost like you are fighting to be still. And my brain's just going over like this, and it's just been an absolute challenge, and I've just found myself just fighting time to be still. But I found it. You've got to make it. You've got to do it. To enter in and to download. So can I encourage you? Uh, find that place. Stop resisting, and download divinity. God is not in the business of remodification. He's in the ministry of transformation. Each and every encounter changes us. So why would we not want to seek more of this encounter of the Lord? More. I like what Watchman Nee says. All spiritual progress starts with dissatisfaction. Ever thought about that? Sometimes we can be irritated or annoyed or dissatisfied and that can be the actual catalyst that shifts things, that changes things if we allow it. I think the greatest gift that you and I have is the exercise of free will. And that includes choosing God, choosing to respond to God, to his presence. This is what I call the divine invitation. Not just to go about doing our thing and tagging God onto that, but centering our lives all around Jesus, and then from that, everything flows. It can be a challenge at times, but that's, that's the call. That's the ask. It's extremely easy to get caught up in just doing day-to-day living it out in our own strength. But something that if you read the scriptures is not only discouraged, but admonished. Galatians 5, Romans 6, just for starters. So I believe that the Christian life is a life of learning how to surrender and we were singing that before. surrendering our lives to Jesus and then allowing Jesus to live his life in us. And the best way that happens is when we surrender. That's that sense Paul talks about of emptying of, us, of ourselves, mortifying the flesh, killing off the flesh and its rights, and its authority, and its voice, and yielding to Jesus. So we're learning how to be still in this season, this message of invitation to encounter. I'm going to share again, as Lana also says this, God speaks differently to each one of us. And each moment he speaks is an invitation to encounter. Those words are such a challenge to me, to remind, be reminded to let go, Louis, and let God. Let's have a look at one particular story, one individual, just one. In the Old Testament, because I think this sets it up well, in, not only through the Old Testament, but into the New And that's Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Let me read in verse 1. One day Moses was taking care of Jephro's flock. Jephro was the priest of Midian and also Moses' father-in-law. And Moses led the flock to the west side of the desert. He came to Sinai, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire coming out of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not burning up. And so he said, I will go closer. Everyone say, I will go. I will go. go. To this strange thing, how can a bush continually be burning without burning up? This is interesting, verse four is powerful. When the Lord saw Moses was coming to look he turned away from what he was doing he left aside and he looked at the bush he heard near god called to him from the bush moses moses and moses said here am i i love this this is a reminder when we think of genesis and adam and eve walking in the presence and bathing in the in the surrounded sense of god's presence but then flesh got in the way and and as you know, the fall of man and, and so they're hiding and they could hear God walking in the garden. Again saying, Adam, Eve, where are you? Moses had to turn aside. That means he had to depart from where he was. He had to leave and remove and put away. He had to change his ways, his moment. And only then when he changed, only then when he was curious enough and stopped, did God speak to Moses from the bush. And only as he drew near, that he was able to hear God's voice as he became closer. It was an ordinary day for Moses. It was different from the life that he had, living in a palace, having servants and maid servants and male servants and all these people just doing whatever he wanted. Had a lot of authority, well-learned, well-structured and a thinker and we see why he was a great candidate for what God wanted to do. He got educated and resourced under Egypt ready for the kingdom of God. And God wanted to use Moses, use work through him. But it was an ordinary day for Moses, moving the flock from one part to the next. Pretty boring. You're gonna be thinking, if I was Moses, like sometimes he must have flashbacks. He looks over and goes, oh, I used to live over there, and here I am. I don't know what, it, what this is. Smell like cattle. I stink, it's dirty, it's dusty. There's no air conditioning. I heard that it's uh, not uncommon to see little bushes and trees burning just instantly just because of the heat and the dryness. So it's just a routine day, just like our days, just routine, nothing out of there extraordinary, just normal, almost even uninteresting. And that's how it happens. That's how invite to encounter happens when you're going about, when we are going about our normal day, everyday life, that in that moment, maybe, possibly, God could call to us. And that's how we learn. He meets with his people. It becomes very personal for Moses, but also becomes powerful. And we surely and clearly see this was his invitation to encounter. I define an encounter as a moment that that when you meet with God, you are changed forever. It's almost like that song, no going back, no going back. Something happens that we meet our creator and it's such an ignition, if you like, a revelation, transformation that occurs. And we're still learning what that looks like. I'm aware in my own terminology that at times I've talked to people that, that why God wants us to have this encounter, at times there's, there's spaces where we have an awakening. We come so far, we go, we go so far, we get a sense of God, maybe a little bit of an awareness of God, but we leave unchallenged and unchanged. Think of the rich young ruler. He wanted to know what he could do to inter- inherit eternal life. And he thought he was doing everything really well. He's meeting and talking with God the Son, the living God, the living Word. But he walked away, sad and unchanged. Sometimes uh, an awakening is where we have a lot of information and we gather. And we learn, but as I said, we learn, we, sorry, that we leave unchanged. That's not what God wants for any of us. It's not why he sent his son, so that we just be informed and be educated. He didn't want us to just know about salvation, he wanted us to experience it, to partake of it. So we learn about communion, learn about fellowship, an encounter is on God's terms. It's an awakening that begins and it enters through this place of curiosity. That bush is not burning. That's odd. Moving away. Hmm. That's I've not seen that before. How is that happening? And he walks. He's a little bit closer. And it's all of a sudden, he's, he's Moses, the bush is talking now. I would have ran. (laughs) I would have ran. I was like, huh? But it says Moses, it settled him straight away when we hear our name, the sweetest sound we can, word we can hear. God just said, Moses, Moses. There's a process. When you study Moses, I I think of many qualities, like uh, some of you would think maybe he's a prophet and rightly so. Many of you would think of him as a leader, and you are right. Or maybe as a deliverer, and again, you are right. But how many of us would actually consider Moses to, be, to have this sense of special, intimate privilege of entering into God's presence? One who I would deem as an intercessor. Moses received special permission as a representative of God's people. And God wanted everybody to see that. The tent of meeting, Moses, as I mentioned, would, would go into that meeting and the people would, as they saw the cloud come down and they knew that God and Moses was talking, they'd stand at front of their tents and they'd start to worship because they acknowledged that God was there. It was important, it was sacred, it was special. Moses was invited to the very presence of God and so are you. Each one of us has received that divine invitation from our God. Did he have an encounter? Absolutely. In fact, he had many encounters. And so should we. Something that we all can desire because of Jesus. We learn in Mark 15 that the temple curtain was torn so that you and I, there'd be no dividing wall, no hostility that we could come No division that we could come and enter in anytime into the presence of God and know Jesus more. I love this. God told Moses to prepare. In Exodus 34, 2, it says this, be ready. Moses was encouraged to go up to the mountain and meet with God. And so it said, this is what the Lord said to Moses, be ready in the morning and then come up to Mount Sinai, present yourself to me on the top of the mountain. This is powerful, be ready. Not only are we encouraged to be still and to know who our God is, in times of uncertainty, we can be certain of who God is, but we're invited to be ready. And I believe that being still is the precursor, is that the place of that first step to then being ready. To be ready. This is the lesson that we learned from Moses. His instruction is the same instruction that is given to every believer today. To be ready, ready to come. What we learn as we look at Moses' life is that his appetite for God's dwelling presence increased. It became stronger and stronger. Moses wanted more, more of his time with God, more of this invite, more of this encounter. He wanted more. In fact, we learn in chapter 33, he says, show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. I want more. I've tasted and seen that you are good and I want more. I want more. Interesting that he was there in the state and presence of Elijah and Mount Transfiguration. Remember we talked about that? And maybe one reason is that when you look at Moses, he was well-gifted. And maybe he represented all those past giftings and ministries. While some may say it may be just the law, I think there was much more. I love what Isaiah says, I will wait, or it means look eagerly. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to, to know what God would wanna say to you today or tomorrow? Is there any place in your life where we are learning how to be still and that we are learning how to be ready and prepared. What has God been saying to you? What is God saying to you? What is is he saying to you right now about your circumstances or your your journey? In fact, maybe he's not even talking about that right now. Maybe he's just saying, I love you. I see you. I know you. I want you. In Exodus 33, as I mentioned, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend, almost like this. Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Here's a thought. The glory of God is invisible qualities, character, or even attributes of God displayed in visible or unknowable way. John Piper says the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. It is the going public of his holiness. When you read the Bible, there's a sense that according to the Bible, the glory of God is his invisible character made visible. His glory is actually seeing the backside of God, seeing the shadow, seeing the dwelling presence of God. And when we come to our place in our own hearts and we say, Jesus, I need you more. The measure I have isn't enough. I need overflow. I want overflow. I want to know this abundance of your glory. Then do things begin to change. It's the same invitation for all of us. Moses also illustrates this truth that you can't always have enough of God. I want more. David wanted more. Disciples wanted more. And more recently, the greatest saints throughout history, those who had known God more intimately than we could ever imagine, consistently sought for a deeper longing and knowing of God. See, the experience of God's glory in our life is all about letting go of the excuses that hold us back from an encounter with the living God. It's being ready. It's being curious and acknowledging our limitations. See, Christians claim that Jesus is living, that he's alive, and yes, he is. But at times we seem to deny his prevailing and guiding presence. He's with us. Is this not the distinction that God made in the Old Testament, let alone in the New? He points to religious people and goes, they don't even know who I am. I am here. They have not even known that God himself is here. The son of God, the bread of life, the giver of life, the one who the Bible says holds all things together standing in their presence, is in their town, in their neighbourhood, in their street. And some didn't even see it. That's a challenge, that's a warning. In the Old Testament, God would even make fun of these other gods, the God of wood and stone, marble. Where are they? Do they talk to you? Can I love you? Can they love you back? No, they can't. You worship these things that just look in Psalm one hundred and fifteen and Deuteronomy four and twenty-eight, just for starters. So, how can we follow? How can we be ready if we do not hear? Salwin Hughes, in my opinion, probably describes the understanding or the the way God speaks to us most accurately. You've heard me read this before, and, and for me it's probably cemented in a sense what this means. It is the voice of conscience, but only stronger, richer, and more positive in content. Like the conscience, it carries its own sense of authority with it, and the trained That trained ear, that ear that knows how to be still and be ready, recognises a divine voice and my soul knows the creator has spoken. I remember when I was in Melbourne and I was deciding to go to Bible college and I remember that I was just, had all these flyers and opportunities to go to these different colleges and I was just daunted by the choice. Had to leave Ballarat and go somewhere. Do we go to Queensland, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide? Perth was on the, there. No offence to Perth. And I remember just in a time of prayers, I'm just going, Lord, I just want to do and be at the place. I know you have the right place. And does it matter? I don't know. But Lord, will you show me? And as I, my eyes were closed, I had this vision of all these people handing me stuff there was a crowd, there was a crowd. And as I was praying, I just saw this crowd just, just move away and part in the middle. And there was this image like Jesus walking before me and he reached out his hand. And I clearly knew from God speaking to me what I was meant to do and where I was meant to go. See, in a moment where we learn how to be still and be ready, it may not be in that moment that God speaks to you, it may not be just then, but you're setting yourself up for an encounter. You're setting yourself up and you're saying, God, I invite you. This morning, Gabe and I are walking along the beach, early morning, just together talking and praying over the service, praying over families, praying over people. We're expecting God would speak and encounter us. The reason... Well, the means by which I became a Christian was because I I heard the audible voice of God in a room when I went in there after being invited to go to church and I said no. And I went into the room and I I heard God speak. I can tell you what I was doing, where my life was right, it wasn't a good place. And in that moment, God reached out to me People were praying for me. I had church people. I found out later who were praying for me. I didn't know. And the invitation was to come to a particular event, and I said, "No, thank you very much. Appreciate the offer." Went into my area, to my duplex side of the house, and God spoke to me, and He said, "This, go on, give it a go. What have you got to lose?" I looked around the room. It was freaky, it was like, huh, my brother sounds like me. I used to, adopt, we used, to I used to ring up his girlfriends and say, hey, I don't want to go out with you anymore. I mean, that's, that's how close we used to sound. He did the same for me. It was great. He didn't want to do it, I didn't want to do it. We didn't have the heart, so we'd swap a tag team and I'll drop her, you drop her and it's all good. No one, no, and they couldn't tell. I thought my brother was in this room and he called out and said this weird statement. So I looked around in the room and in the other room and and I'm looking around under the bed thinking, what game is this? And all of a sudden I felt this conviction that God was here. So I went back into the room where those Christians had just invited me to go to church and I said, is the office still on? And they're having a cup of tea, they were. You know, having a cup of tea. They're not pommy, but anyway, they have having a cup of tea and they nearly fell off their chair. God speaks, God calls, God invites. When we have a heart that's willing to turn easily to God, I love it. A mind that's saturated in Scripture and hungry for the living God to speak. He wants us to hear His voice. He wants to be involved in our lives. He wants to lead us and guide us. And there are processes that we'll learn and look at later of how he does that. But this is my challenge to you. And my challenge for me is learning how to be still and learning how to be ready for what God wants to say and for what God wants to do. You know, many women and men over the centuries have heard God's invitation. Yet some have failed to respond. Why? I believe they were not ready or did not make themselves ready. The good news is that God wants an encounter with us. I love this, the scripture where Jesus says this. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you, who are weary and burdened, and I will give. I will give to you. I will meet you and I will give to you who I am. And I will give you rest. And I'll give you strength and I will give you peace. And my love will overflow unto you and through you. See, because I worship a living God, He's not wood, stone, and hay, and marble, and all these other things, but He's living, and He wants to have a relationship with you and me, and He wants to take us further. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would take us on this journey of knowing you more, a place to encounter you, a place to meet with you. Oh Lord, We're so sorry that sometimes we just get so busy with life and all the stuff of life and the happenings that time for you is not always as it should be. And I know for 2022 that all that you are calling and asking of us means that we need to be still and we need to be ready. And we need to draw near. We need to choose you first. And so I ask, Lord, that whatever the battle, the situation or the circumstance that anyone here is facing, or those who are listening, Lord, I pray that, Lord, the first two steps we should take is to be still, stop fighting, let go, let God, and be ready. And like what Moses said, here I am, here I am. Here I am. And may that be our prayer this week. Of everything you have to do, everything that's asked of you, that you could just stop and say, here I am. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Father, I, tell you, I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would know and we would be hungry carry this sense of deep desire to know you further, to know you more, to grow deeper, to grow stronger and grow together. And I pray, Lord, if you're willing, and we know that you are, lead us, guide us, speak to us and comfort our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.